Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Navy Wife Radio, where we feature great interviews, inspiring stories, and candid conversations. So join us. Hey, this is Seawolf from the hit web series, Hey Shipwreck. You're listening to Navy Wife Radio, SubmarineWife.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Wendy. And Marla is off tonight, so I'm flying solo in the host chair. Marla, we hope you feel better soon and hope you're back next week. So, everybody, we have a great show tonight. I can't wait to tell you all about it. Um, I do want to say real quickly that I just opened the chat room. I was a little bit late doing that. So if you're listening to us live, you can go into the chat room by clicking the green button if you would like to go into the chat. If not, you can listen without going in there, just offering that to you guys. Um, so tonight uh, we have like three guests lined up for you, so it's going to be a lot of fun, jam-packed, crazy. So we invite you to settle back, get a nice iced tea or a cup of tea or Coke or whatever you're drinking, and um, and you're going to have a lot of fun. So last week we told you guys about our trip to D.C. for the 2010 Mill Bloggies. It was great. There was about 200 people there. It was sold out. And during the weekend we had the amazing opportunity to meet filmmaker Drake Rademacher from Brothers at War and journalist Tom Celio. Hopefully, Tom, I'm saying your name right. And he actually won one of the Mill Bloggies, which is great. So they will be joining us tonight. Jake is the director of the film Brothers at War, and Tom writes the unknownsoldiersblog.com. So you guys can check those out during our show. Uh, the blog is unknownsoldiersblog.com to pull that up, and brothersatwarmovie.com. You can visit the site while we're um, getting ready to have them on the air. You can watch the trailer for the movie and um, look at the stills, and you can even order the movie from the website. So that's what's coming up. The other treat that we have for you, we have this new segment called Five Minute Fix. And in this segment, we're going to give you guys a nugget of information that is going to solve a problem, save you money, is one of our favorite things. And so tonight in our Five Minute Fix segment, June Walbert joins us from USAA. And you guys know June. She's been here lots of times before. She's a certified financial planner. And tonight she's going to share us, share with us, her uh, one of her favorite tips for saving money during a deployment, and it's a good one, and it's not one that you're going to expect. Trust me on that. So you want to stay tuned. That'll come about the middle of the hour. So we have a lot of stuff planned for you. Um, we have something cool for you to read. Acknowledges our service members who have given the ultimate sacrifice, paid the ultimate sacrifice through the unknownsoldiersblog.com show you to save some money during a deployment. And then if you're looking for something for your next care package, this DVD, brothersatwarmovie.com, this is going to make any service member happy. Trust me on that. And I actually enjoyed watching it too, believe it or not, because you wouldn't think that. But I'm going to tell you why I loved it so much a little bit later in the hour. That's what we have coming up. It's a lot, I know. I'm going to take a drink of my um, my tea here in a minute so I can slow down. And I will say that I don't multitask well. We all know this. So 
So if there's a break in the action, you'll know I'm answering your tweets on Twitter. Our Twitter is at MyMilitaryLife. That's how you can find us there. Or it's because I've gotten an instant message. So just bear with me on that. Uh, as a reminder, our show's always better with you involved. So if you're listening live, be sure to introduce yourself into the chat room. Or, like I said on Twitter, you can use the hashtag MyMilitaryLife and um, or send us a, a message through Twitter. We'll be happy to take your questions for our guests this evening. And um, so whether your spouse, your spouse is home or on duty at sea, deployed in the sand, we invite you to join in the conversation tonight. Just remember OPSEC, that's operational security, so when you contact us, whether it's live on the show or on the blog, please just give us your first name only, and or on our Facebook page, remember no discussion of ship or unit movement or boat names in conduct or unit names in conjunction with your command. It's been a long day, can you tell? And doing so just ensures that we keep our husbands safe. All right? So uh, if you're listening live, too, I want to tell you on Blog Talk Radio, you can request to be one of our friends. And when you do that, you just click on the little heart. That makes the show a favorite. And then every time we schedule a show, you'll get an email, and you'll be the first to know who's coming on the show. It's really a cool feature that they offer. If you're new to the show, because since Jake's coming on the show and Tom, I know we're going to have a lot of new listeners that tune in for the first time. Uh, Our show airs on most Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. You can join us live, or you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Just search Navy Wife Radio. Navy Wife Radio is really the beginnings of my military life. And if you search that, you'll be able to subscribe and get all of the latest and greatest content, and you'll be able to search the archives as well. Our show um, guest call-in number tonight, if you've got a question, it's 646-652-4629. That's our number. All right. And... Um, I want to also tell you that uh, the DVD that we're going to talk about, brothersatwarmovie.com, that we're going to offer you a special deal on that too, which is going to be really cool. And we're going to actually, they're kind enough to donate some of the proceeds to our favorite charity. So you guys can look forward to that as well. It's just awesome. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we do, I've got a couple of Navy news items for you. And then... Um, We will have Tom on the line joining us, and we are going to get the show going because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. So we'll be right back right after this break. USAA salutes military spouses for your service and sacrifice on the home front. Whether it's preparing for deployment, having a baby, or making that next PCS move, we'll help you navigate through all the stages of military life. We've served families like yours for more than 84 years, and we can help you achieve your financial goals. Log on to USAA.com for a free financial assessment, or call USAA's Financial Advice Center at 877-806-5033 for advice on everything from credit cards to life insurance. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. Financial advice provided by USAA Financial Advisors Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer. Log on to USAA.com or call us toll-free 1-877-806-5033. 
USAA. We know what it means to serve. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Real quick, I have a couple of just Navy news items. Um, the Enterprise is just completed sea trials and will be re-delivered to the fleet, which is kind of exciting. That's up on there. And then the other thing I have to tell you, you know, you guys know that um, we're submarines. We've talked about this before, and submarines just had a birthday ball. And our birthday ball here, where I'm at, is actually on Saturday, and we're actually going. We don't always go, but we're going. So I have been in the process of making centerpieces and trying to figure out what I'm going to wear and all of that to say that, I mean, if you've ever been to a ball on the waterfront versus on shore duty, then you know it's completely different, okay? But we're going to go, we're going to show a good, we're going to show our support. And the other cool thing is the MCPOD's going to be there that I found out. So I'm really excited. So next week when we are do, we do our show, I'm hoping, it's kind of like my, I hope I get to do this, is get a little eye flip video of him. I want to talk like, what's he think about, you know, I'm posting videos on his Facebook page. If you've never been to the McPond's Facebook page, you're going to have to go. It's facebook.com slash McPond, I think. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm going to try and do. We'll see if I get away with him. Um, but yeah, we have a ball on Saturday. So wish me luck. Hopefully I don't fall down. Hopefully no one else has my dress on. I know that's kind of a, a thing that we worry about. Uh, but yeah, so if you're thinking about going to the submarine ball or any other ball related to your service, go. Just go. Just I know it's a hassle. I know you got to get a babysitter and somebody to watch your dogs and all of that like me. But it'll be worth it. You guys can have fun, create some memories. So I encourage you. I'm going to practice what I preach. You know, it's a process getting ready for this thing. Um, I will be posting pictures on the Facebook page and giving you all an update. So uh, enough of that. So um, up next, we are going to have Tom, who writes over on uh, the unknownsoldierblog.com, and you can go there while we're listening to the show. He was one of the winners for the Mill Bloggies that took place in D.C. just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm so thrilled to have him on the show because his blog is really phenomenal and highlights some amazing um, service members that have really paid the ultimate price and shared um, their stories. So, Tom, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Oh, I'm really, it's an honor to have you on. It just so worked out to get you and Jake on the same show, and I'm really sort of a little... Um, Nervous. <laughs> well, there's been me to be. I, I'm the one that's nervous. I, I didn't realize that I'd be uh, appearing with Jake, and uh, it's a pretty amazing coincidence, but uh, I actually happened to be watching Brothers at War for the third time last night uh, before I actually found out that I was going to be on with him, so I just thought that was an incredible coincidence, but his work and uh, that film and his family's uh, service to our country is really inspiring, so it's really an honor to... Uh, be on the same night as Jake. Well, I I know I hear you. I feel the same way, and and it's an honor to have you on. You know, our our listeners are are mostly military spouses, uh, mostly female, but we do have some active duty uh, service members that listen too. And the mill blog world is pretty amazing, and uh, and I, I'm always amazed at like the new blogs that I find. And your blog is actually a new one that I found. And I want to 
I, f- I wondered if you could share with everybody that's kind of new like me, because I'm just new to it by a couple weeks, um, if you could share with our listeners and um, those that will listen like live right now and in the archives too, share, share with us a little bit about, we'll start with, um, what's your military experience or background, whether in your family or yourself? Well, I'm actually going to quote from uh, Brothers at War. Uh, one of the first frames of the film, uh, Jake says, I am not a soldier, and I am not, um, but I am privileged to, uh, my, both of my grandfathers served in World War II, uh, one in Europe, one in the Pacific, and uh, my father is actually a doctor in the Northern Virginia area, and he was a uh, reservist during Desert Storm uh, and was called up at that time. He didn't deploy. Um, but growing up, and I grew up in the Northern Virginia area as well, and growing up around here and always having, um, you know, relatives, military relatives, it was kind of always um, part of who I was, and I always took an interest um, in the military. Uh, and then especially after uh, the 9-11 attacks, I was uh, here in Northern Virginia uh, on 9-11 and uh, kind of started my journalism career almost immediately after that and uh, spent the last eight years or so in newsrooms uh, up until this past uh, mid-December when uh, I left CNN where I had been for about five years and uh, decided to launch uh, my blog, which is unknownsoldiersblog.com because I really felt like uh, we need to do uh, not only the media, um, but all of us need to do a better job of paying close attention to what's going on on uh, both the war fronts in Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, honoring the people who serve but also their families here at home Um, because as everybody listening knows that's a military spouse and as you know um, the support that our men and women in uniform get from their families uh, there's nothing more important than that and we as civilians or at least on my end um, I really feel like it's a duty of ours to not only notice uh, what's going on in the wars, but to make sure that these families are at home are supported. And we can't do that unless people know what's going on. I agree. It's, it's a perfect, um, I think, platform to share with people what's going on because it's so easily accessible. And the more I dive into your blog and read the stories, they're just incredible. And they put a person, a personality uh, a human element to the names that we see, whether on the scroller, on TV, or the names in the Military Times newspapers, you know. Um, that's what I find myself getting most out of it. Uh, so let me ask you, your blog features all these stories. Have you gotten, like, what kind of reaction are you getting from the family members that you feature? It's uh, it's really amazing. Um because not only when I was at uh, when I was at CNN, I tried to make an effort inside the newsroom uh, to try to do a better job of telling these stories. And kind of starting back there was when I started having some contact um, with not only uh, veterans and uh, families of men and women who serve, but uh, families of the fallen. Um, and to me, getting an email or getting a phone call from mother, father, husband, or wife of one of our fallen service members and them telling me that some of the words I wrote gave them some comfort. Uh, There's no better feeling than that um, to me. Obviously, I wish I didn't have to write any of these stories, um, and I wish 
that nobody had to give their lives. But there's evil in the world, and evil has to be confronted. And these men and women volunteered to do this, and that's what I find so amazing. Uh, they volunteered, a lot of them, after 9-11, fully knowing that they would be deployed to war zones, and, and they go out and do this every day. And and sometimes I don't feel like they get the, the, the credit they deserve for that. I think um, it's easy to just, you know, walk by a, a soldier in an airport and just kind of take that for granted. But I, to me, these men and women are the celebrities, and that's what my blog tries to show. And, and like you said, um, that really is the goal of my blog is to – humanize this conflict and to show that just like us, these men and women have families, friends, and a whole network of people uh, that are there for them, and uh, and they go overseas and they put it all on the line for us, and I, I don't think, to me, there's nothing more amazing than that, and that's the whole reason I do what I do. Well, we have a question from the chat room. Great. Um, so this is Tom. He's in the chat, and he was actually at the conference when we were there a couple weeks ago. He oh, great. Asked, um, how do you select the individuals that you write about, and are there certain things that grab your attention? Sure, sure. Um, I try to, uh, again, this is a very solemn topic, and I wish I didn't right. have to write a lot of these stories. Uh, but I tried to write a story about uh, every fallen service member uh, in Iraq or Afghanistan um, or other theaters around the world. Um, and the way I will uh, usually be alerted to that, sometimes I hear about it in advance. Like, for instance, I, um, I was able to go and cover a procession on Thursday in Tyrone, Georgia, for First Lieutenant Robert Collins. Uh, I live in the Atlanta area, so... I was able to drive down and cover that. And actually, the mother of another fallen soldier um, had alerted me uh, that he was killed in action. And I had heard about that before there was a Pentagon press release about his death. However, I will never write or post a story about a man or woman who, who's been killed in action uh, until that Pentagon press release goes out, even if it's in local newspapers, because... Uh, I want to make 100% sure that the family has been notified, and the only way to know for sure is the Pentagon will not release that information until the families have been notified. So. Oh, okay, I see. Well, you know, um, I think that's one of the reasons uh, why your blog touched me so much, and uh, I'm going to ask you in a little bit about this, if you could share again the story that you shared in your, your speech that you gave. At the end of when my husband was in Afghanistan, uh, you know, he would, he was at, he was in Bagram. He's home now, so I can tell you this. I'm not violating OPSEC. Um, one of the hardest things that he went through, I mean, he's a Navy guy, was embedded with soldiers. Um, and so he, he's not in the Army, and I don't want to minimize anything that the Army does or the Marines um, at all. Uh, so he and he's a support person. I'll say that you know he wasn't kicking down a door or anything. Uh, but one of the things that really um, hit him hard, and I think caught him by surprise. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But it was the fallen hero ceremonies that they would have. Sure. That sure. Bagram, they would all come through. Our fallen heroes would come through Bagram through that area, right? And so he would 
we'd be chatting on IM, and he would. It got to the point where he would just say, "You know, I had another one today." Wow. And right, and so what I would do, what I found myself doing, is sort of like um, you said. You know, you uh, don't want to post a story until it's been released on. Uh, there's been a press release by the DOD. So I would go on Defense Link or whatever the website is, and I would try and find, you know, who was this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, try. I mean, it was difficult to do. And then you find a name, and then you Google it and see if you can find a hometown, you know, newspaper, etc. And so what your blog does is it really kind of takes it to another level, to where it's not just. Um, I mean, a local newspaper reporter does. They do a phenomenal job. But your writing, your style of writing, the pictures that you find, um, I think is just incredible. So I encourage people. I know it's hard to read, and I know that it's not, uh, you know, it's not, you know, um, maybe the most enjoyable thing you do online. But I do think it's important that we take a moment and remember the sacrifice and acknowledge and and let them make an imprint on us because otherwise it is it's just a name. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the kind words about the blog. And kind of what what I try to do is I move through this this solemn process. And again, I want to emphasize that this is not um, this is not fun to write about. But I really feel like there it's a duty um, for all of us to read about this. Um, but what I try to do is I like you said, the local newspapers, a lot of them do, and local TV stations as well do a very good job of covering um, and really giving a good glimpse of who these men and women were. Uh, but the, the criticism that I have um, as somebody who spent uh, most of his adult life in newsrooms, both local and national, is that I don't think these stories get a wide enough audience beyond the hometown. There are isolated examples of uh, stories that you'll see on, on CNN or Fox News or NBC about uh you know, one of our fallen heroes, but there's not that consistent story storytelling in the national narrative about the men and women that are going overseas and doing these amazing things for us. Uh, one of the when you talk about uh, your husband and how you know very solemn those uh, ceremonies must be and what an emotional impact it could have on him. Another great film, in addition to Brothers at War, is the HBO. Uh, film Taking Chance, which was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Strobel's journal about uh, escorting PSC Chance Phelps home. Uh, oh, yes, I love that. I actually film. subscribed to HBO just so I could watch that. Yeah, it was a fantastic film with Kevin Bacon, um, and you don't see a lot of great uh, Hollywood movies about these current conflicts, but this certainly is one. And one of the quotes that's from that movie that really struck me um, toward the end Somebody talking to Lieutenant Colonel Strobel says, without a witness, all these men and women will just disappear. And I don't think anybody who has put on a uniform, gone overseas, and defended our freedom should ever disappear, and we should always remember them, and that's why I run my blog. Well, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I agree. They shouldn't, not at all. I mean, they give the ultimate sacrifice for a better um, world, a better way of life for all of us. And again, um, you know, my blog also um, it, it it does have a heavy focus on our, our men and women who have been killed in action. But I do 
a lot of stories as well about veterans. Um, I was really privileged to write a story about uh, uh, Jim Kirshner, who uh, went back. He had been injured badly in Iraq in, I believe it was 2005, and he was able to go back because of a wonderful USO and Troops First Foundation program called Operation Proper Exit. And he was able to go back to the war zone with another group of uh, soldiers this past year who had also been wounded. And that program gave him a lot of emotional closure and uh, really helped him and his family deal with what had happened to him. And he seems to be doing very well right now, I'm really pleased to say. But So I try to, you know, also definitely talk about the men and women who are currently serving and the families at home, which, again, are so crucial uh, to this war effort. Without without the men and women at home, men and women at home supporting everyone who's serving, there's no way America could win these wars. I agree, and I think that um, getting the word out to um, spouses and family members, moms, dads, you know, grandmas and grandpas, for them knowing that, for them to know that their support does make all the difference in the world. It is one big, um, one big family, one big fight. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I had another question that came through. Um, hold on here. Let me go back to my screen. I'm operating solo tonight, aren't I? Oh, sure. So hopefully no I'm, I'm doing okay. Because normally I have my little compiler here. <laughs> keeps me on track um okay so were you surprised uh okay well quick comment i have to tell people that are listening that are bloggers black five started this um this segment called someone you should know where they highlight someone who's given the ultimate sacrifice i mean i've read so many stories on that Mm -hmm. topic so i i challenge any mill blogger that's listening if you have a blog to start that type of segment someone you should know and and you don't have to go far to find that person. You can go straight to Tom's blog and cross-link a post and, and help get the word out, help get these stories out to as many people as we can. Um, Black Five did a great job, great example. Yeah, Black Five is an incredible site, and I was, I was really honored to meet uh, some of the men behind that site, and it's, it's, it's really fantastic. Yes, I mean, I was just like, that's the one person I wanted to meet when I went there. And that and JP from Mill Blogging, I was like, let me just, if I can meet those two, I'm good. And, um, but anyway, okay, so um, I, with the Mill Blog community being so, I call it very tight-knit. It's very, like, all the, I've never been to the Mill Blogging conference before, and JP does such great job. But it seems to me they're very, I mean, it's a very tight-knit group. So to be recognized by these mill bloggers as having um, uh, voted you the best mill blog done by a reporter, what was that like for you? What did it what did, what did it mean to you? Well, it was a tremendous honor, and uh, I, I kind of have a similar similar background to you. Is that I'm very new to the military blogging community. Like I said, I spent. Uh, the last eight years or so uh, in newsrooms. And uh, while I was at, for instance, CNN, I was not allowed to even run my own blog um, because of uh, objectivity issues. Uh, so, you know, I started this blog the day that I left CNN. Um, I was going to ask really... you when you started it. Okay, so the day after you left CNN. Sure, which was uh, in mid-December uh, of this past year. So like I said, I'm very, I'm very new to this uh, blogging world. So I certainly 
never expected uh, the Milwaukee honor, um, especially this soon, and I'm very humbled by it. Um, there are, are so many fantastic blogs that I got to read during the nomination process, uh, blogs I had never gotten to see before, and uh, to even be mentioned in the same category uh, was a fantastic honor. For instance, uh, Susan Cash-Keating, who is in the uh, U.S. reporter category, her, her blog's fantastic, and she has a, a very, very good body of work as a journalist uh, for People Magazine and other publications. So uh, it, it was really, uh, it was a lot of fun uh, throughout, um, you know, as the nominations went on and the voting, and, uh, you know, JP encouraged people to get their family and friends to vote, so it was a lot of fun uh, you know, emailing people and, and asking for their votes. Um, and I, the support from my readers um, who have joined a group on Facebook, I can be followed there on the Unknown Soldiers and Twitter uh, at Soldiers Blog. A lot of people uh, showed me so much support, and I can't be grateful enough for it. But at the same time, uh, in, in the awards, there were no winners and there were no losers. So everybody who takes time out of their busy lives to run a blog about our men and women in uniform, especially the people who are actually on the ground and risking their lives to give us an unfiltered raw view of war. They have my utmost respect, and, uh, and I, I can't thank everybody enough. And uh, I, if the conference is a wonderful experience, and I really felt like I was welcomed in, welcomed in with open arms to this military blogging community, and I just have the utmost gratitude for that. Well, one of the questions from the chat room is, um, can we expect to see you at um, future mill blog conferences? Definitely, absolutely. Uh, I, being in Washington uh, was perfect uh, because I have a lot of family in this area, so it was uh, a great excuse to, to come up and, um, and see a lot of friends and family, uh, even back from high school and everything, so that was good. Um, yes, and I will, I will be there. Wonderful. Okay, well, we're running out of time, so just real quickly, I did want to ask you about the story that you shared the day that you gave um, or the night that you gave your, your acceptance speech. And, and you you were the last bloggy they gave out, so you happened to be the last speaker, and gosh, you really did a phenomenal job. And um, and I thought if we could share one story of all the ones that you've profiled, her, her story would be a good one to share. Well, thank you. Um, and it, it was difficult to talk about, uh, not only from the pressure of being the last speaker, but because this story means so much to me personally. Uh, I was visiting uh, Section 60 of Arlington National Cemetery when I was here in Virginia visiting in January. And just as I was about to leave, um, I came across a headstone uh, that had some very haunting words on it. It said, be bold, be brief, be gone. And the name above that was Major Megan McClung. Uh, so I came home and tried to find some more information about her and almost immediately um, was, was stunned to learn what an accomplished uh, Marine Megan McClung was. Not only that, uh, for the Navy listeners, she was actually the first female uh, United States Naval Academy graduate killed in, uh, killed in action in Iraq or Afghanistan. She was also the highest-ranking female Marine officer to be killed um, in Iraq. And what really touched me about her story um, was not only the inscription, but after I heard, I, I wrote about my experience uh, visiting 
her grave, and her father, uh, who's a former learning himself, reached out to me uh, to thank me for writing about my visit to his daughter. And he actually told me that Be Bold, Be Brief, Be Gone was actually instructions that she gave to fellow officers in her public affairs unit for dealing with the media. And But it wasn't just that. It was how she lived. It truly was. Uh, she was an incredible person. She was a, a marathon runner. She had a master's degree in criminal justice from Boston University. And in 34 years, she accomplished more than many of us will in an entire lifetime. And uh, that's why I chose her story. Um, not only that, we were in Arlington, so close to where she rests. And I thought it was important uh, to share her story with the audience. And thank you very much for uh, letting me share it with your listeners. Well, I, I appreciate it. And I think um, she is somebody we definitely need to remember and honor. And I thank you for coming on the show. I encourage our listeners to go and find you on your blog. It is called unknownsoldiersblog.com. I've been here with Tom, who is the author of the blog. And how do you say your last name? I'm always afraid to say it because I don't want to say it wrong. It's okay. It happens all the time. It's Saleo. Saleo. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. My guest tonight has been Tom Saleo. And um, can we find you on Facebook? Someone asked in the chat room. Yes, uh, the fan page for Facebook, although I think they just changed the fan pages now. Now you just have to click a like, uh, but it's just under the Unknown Soldiers. And then on Twitter, I can be found at at Soldiers Blog. Wonderful. All right, Tom, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thanks for all the great work you do. And and same to you. And I hope you'll come back on the show. Thanks. All right, you have a good night. And if hey, listen, if you want to hang out for the Jake interview, if you've got a question for him, considering you've watched the show three times, I would love to take your call, or you can leave me the question in the chat room, whichever you want to do. Okay, yeah, how about that? I'll leave it in the chat room. That sounds yeah. great. Okay, all right, Tom, thanks. Okay, thanks. All right. All right, everybody, that's been um, – thanks for joining us for this interview with the blogger from unknownsoldierblog.com. That's Tom Saleo. When we get back from the break, we're going to feature uh, our next segment, which is June Walbert from USAA. She's got a quick five-minute fix tip for you guys when it comes to saving some money during a deployment. And this is going to surprise you. You're not going to think of this one. You think I'm going to tell you not to go to Starbucks or something like that that has nothing to do with giving up coffee, although that might be a good idea. Um, But um, stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. June Walbert coming right up from USAA. We'll be right back after the break. USAA salutes military spouses for your service and sacrifice on the home front. Whether it's preparing for deployment, having a baby, or making that next PCS move, we'll help you navigate through all the stages of military life. We've served families like yours for more than 84 years, and we can help you achieve your financial goals. Log on to USAA.com for a free financial assessment or call USAA's Financial Advice Center at 877-806-5033 for advice on everything from credit cards to life insurance. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. Financial advice provided by USAA Financial Advisors Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer. Log on to USAA.com or call us toll-free 1-877-806-5033. USAA. We know what it means to serve.
Welcome back, everybody, to the show. This is Wendy, and tonight Marla is off. Um, up next, I want to share with you a very special guest, June Wahlberg. She's back on the show with us tonight. She's been here many times before. She's a certified financial planner with USAA. You can find her over at military.com where she writes a column called Ask June, which is very informative. And um, other things to know about June besides she's a dog lover, pet lover, is she's actually also in the um, U.S. Army Reserve. And so not only does she serve us, she serves our country too. So um, with that, I will introduce back to the show June Walbert. We are so glad to have her back. Hello, June. How are you tonight? Hi, Wendy. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well, you just had a very interesting guest. It's a hard one to follow. Oh, I know. Um, it, great story. I, it is hard to follow. He, he does such amazing work. I have such respect I know. for him. and. The fact I do he too. Can share that with all of us, and I think um, mm. you know we can't forget. We have to share stories. That's exactly right. So well, you know, tonight I thought we're talking about deployments. We're, we've got Jake Rademacher coming up, talking about um, relationships when it comes to deploying. And you know, when our spouses deploy, uh, it's a chance when we actually, you know, we get a little extra money in our paycheck, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to be careful with that. And so on the show, we started this new thing called Five Minute Fix. And I thought, yep. let's have June on and let's talk about what her quick five minute fix would be in terms of saving us some money during a deployment. <laughs> well, of course, I've been deployed, right? So I right. understand what that's all about. And I'm all about making smart money decisions. So, one of the smartest things that you can do if you deploy is think to yourself, hmm. If I'm not driving my car and many service members do store the car for the duration of their employment, should I be paying car insurance premiums um, at the same rate on that car? And the answer is no. If you're not driving that car, if it's being stored for you while you're overseas, then you can uh, cut off the liability and the collision coverage on your car. Wendy, do you have any idea the percentage of the premium that most people can save if they just don't pay liability and collision coverage when their car is being stored? I have no idea. Guess. Come on. Oh, um, I'm going to say 25%. How about triple that? 80%. What? Oh, my gosh. You can save 80%, 75 to 80% of wow. your R premium if you're storing your vehicle by just cutting off the liability coverage. You don't need liability coverage. You're not in that moving vehicle, so you're not going to have an accident. And you don't need the collision coverage for the same reason. So, you know, state by state, there are rules. Some states may not allow you to cut off your liability coverage even if you are deployed seven or 8,000 miles away in Afghanistan or Iraq. Uh, so you need to check with your DMV, your Department of Motor Vehicles, and make sure it's okay with them. But, heck, I say if you can save that much money, why not? That's right. I mean, um, I, I remember the first time someone told me I could save, and I think Craig had already been gone like months and months and months at that point. And uh, that was one of my – it's still one of my favorite things – to tell people about, I had no idea that it was actually that high of a mm-hmm. percentage. Mm-hmm. No idea. Well, and it does vary on who it does it is. It does vary, I know? understand. Yeah, 
So I am not a 23-year-old male. (laughs) I bet that's expensive. (laughs) It does run up the premium a little bit when you're a young male driver. So So you're the the spouse at home and you're a 23-year-old husband. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Who drives a red sports car in in the driveway. uh, Yeah, uh uh-huh. That's exactly right, right? So, you know, you're going to uh, be probably charged a little more for the liability and collision coverage because you just have more accidents typically when you're that age and that gender. So, you know, they're going to save more than I am, you know, as an older soldier and uh, a female. So, but yeah, you know, if you can save 70 to 80%, why not? Let me give you one more tip. Do we have time? We do. Okay. So if you're deploying, and that's major, you know, discussion tonight, did you know that by virtue of the HERO Act uh, that George W. Bush uh, got passed in 2006, you can now deposit tax-free combat pay into a Roth IRA? Now, you know, people go, well, gee, June, tell me why that's important. (laughs) That's important because... You know, we all need to save for our future because, you know, uh, retirement is a very expensive goal and uh, and our retirement pensions from the military don't cover enough for us. So we need to save in other ways too. But in a Roth IRA, if you put your tax-free combat pay in that account, it grows tax-deferred because it's in an IRA, an individual retirement account, And then years down the road, when you withdraw that money to pay for your retirement expenses, you can withdraw any growth and dividends tax-free. So let me just recap. Tax-free in, (laughs) tax-free out. Tax-free out. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. And let me just also add that that is a unique military benefit. No civilian can do that. It is only for our military. So when you deploy, uh, please, please find your way clear to fund a Roth IRA for yourself. And if you're married, fund a Roth IRA for your, uh, for your spouse as well. And you get a nice jump start on a tax-free income stream in retirement. I love it. I love it. Okay, so and then what do we do if we want to check? I mean, we just got to call USAA to check to see what our rate would be if our spouse is deployed right now. We just call in and your rate for your car premium, mm-hmm. or like what's our what's the step that folks need to take in terms? That's of a that. very good yeah. question. So of course, when you're deploying and you have any kind of products with USAA, you need to call in and say, hey. I'm deploying, you know, I'm married or I'm not married or, you know, whatever the case may be. Let us know and then we'll let you know the, uh, we'll we'll put an alert on your accounts and uh, then we'll let you know any, you know, money-saving opportunities like we'll talk to you about the car situation. Are you going to store your car? If so, well, gee, let's, you know, let's talk about ways you can save money on your auto premium. And uh, and then it can be done just lickety-split in the snap of a finger. It can be done over the phone. And then, uh, Wendy, when you come home for that coveted R&R and you want to dust off that, you know, that baby that's in storage, you know, whether it's a, you know, a Mustang or a Pathfinder right. or whatever the case may be, then you just give us a quick call and say, hey, 
I am back from deployment just for a two-week R&R, and I need to reinstate my uh, collision coverage and my liability coverage because if an accident happens and you don't have that coverage, you're kind of out of luck, right? So just give us a quick call. We'll make it really easy on you. And then when you, uh, when you go back overseas at the end of your two weeks, call us and let us know that, you're, uh, that your vacation is over and you're headed back over, and then we'll, uh, we'll knock that premium back down for you. Excellent. That's easy. I think we can do that. It is easy. And, you know, we do. You just got to call. You can't have phone phobia. I always say sometimes they don't like to make phone calls, but you just have to call. I know. And we'll make it easy on you. You know, we have legendary customer service. We've been recognized for (laughs) that, you know, in in many, many ways. And uh, so we're not going to keep you on a hold too long or anything like that. You're not going to have to make a trip around the world on the the, uh, auto um, (laughs) answering system. <laughs> but it, but that's it's why we love it. USAA because you do make it easy. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. All right, Jean. Well, we're about out of time. Yes, ma'am. I will. Um, I I will say if you would like to hang out for the Jake interview, I mean, we would love to have you. If you have a question for him, we can put it in the chat room, or you can call in, or whatever. I think. Um, I think uh, that so he's been meeting with him. a lot of USAA members, too, um, here lately. So, yeah, I've heard rave reviews about him personally, and, of course, the, the movie is absolutely great. So what a great, what a great service you're providing, Wendy, to your, uh, to your listeners. Well, thanks. We try. We try. We, <laughs> we love the support of USAA, so um, it's all one big happy family. Yep. We try. <laughs> all right, Jim, <laughs> until next time. Um, you yes, take ma'am. care, and I think you're, I heard you're going to Germany or something, so I can't wait to hear about it when you get back. Yeah, I sure am. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, what I won't do for this company, right? <laughs> Travel to Germany. <laughs> Have a bratwurst for me. <laughs> yeah, this is not what I'd call a hardship duty, but it's, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. You have a good night, June. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's been June Walbert with USAA Certified Financial Planner. You can find her over at her column on military.com. Ask June if you've got other questions or over on USAA.com. She's got webinars. She does all kinds of cool stuff. And we hope you enjoyed our new segment, 5 Minute Fix. When we get back from the break, Jake Rademacher will be here, the uh, director of the movie Brothers at War. You can check out the website where we're talking to him at Brothers at War Movie. Dot com. That's brothersatwarmovie.com. And um, when we get back from the break, Jake will be joining us. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Navy Wife Radio and Military Life Radio. We, we'll be right back. U.S. Navy t-shirts, mugs, and more at NavyChief.com. Hot new designs for sailors, chiefs, officers, families, and all those who support our men and women in the United States Navy. NavyChief.com will ship anywhere in the USA, APOs and FPOs too. NavyChief.com offers silkscreen tees for your command, unit, ship, CPOAs, fundraisers, businesses, schools, and other special events. Let our in-house professional graphic artists design your next custom order. Huge selection of tees for only $10 each. NavyChief.com, supporting our shipmates since 1997. Veteran-owned, all NavyChief.com apparel is printed in the USA. Call us at 301-475-0437 or log on at NavyChief.com. 
Pat Rabby, the creator of Hey Shipwreck and Join the Navy, the cartoon. You're listening to Navy Wife Radio on MilitaryLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Tonight we're featuring an interview with filmmaker Jake Rademacher. Like I said, you can find him over at brothersatwarmovie.com. And um, we had the pleasure of meeting him at the Mill Bloggy Conference in D.C. And we brought him here to you, to you tonight, favorite listeners. And um, Jake, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on, Wendy. Oh, we're so excited. I can barely stand it. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Well, you know, it's all. I have to. I have to keep upbeat because it's almost ten o'clock here. I know you're on the West Coast, right? So it's yeah. Easier. So it's much easier duty for me. Seven forty. This is like the perfect time to be chatting. Yes. Well, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we have a lot of questions to get to, so hopefully we'll get through them all. I want to say up front, I invited Tom to hang out and listen to the interview. I don't know if you heard, but he's listened or he's seen your movie three times. I think that's extraordinary. I think what he's doing is extraordinary as yeah, well. Yeah, so. it is absolutely extraordinary. So if you want, Tom, if you want to call in, we'll, we would love your call. Um, but if you're shy, you can put your question in the chat room. We will make sure that we um, we that you answer it, right, Jake? Absolutely. Um, okay, so the way we like to start at all of our interviews is to ask people, um, what is your, and I kind of may be redundant because we've already asked this once tonight, but hopefully our listeners will um, indulge me. Can you tell everybody or introduce yourself a little bit in terms of what your military experience or background is in terms of yourself or your family? And that just helps us get to know you a little bit better. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, most immediate family, my two little brothers uh, are both paratroopers. Uh, They both served in the 82nd Airborne. Um, They have been deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan a total of seven times. Uh, Isaac is a West Point grad. Graduated class of 2000, I think top in his class in military tactics, and then headed over to Afghanistan as a platoon leader. Uh, Joe uh, is a guy who couldn't wait to get out of high school, somehow figured out how to get through high school without the best grades. I don't know how he did it in three years, so he could get off to the 82nd Airborne, and he went over there as a sniper. Uh, in Fallujah, where, when his, while his older brother was actually in civil relations, so they were in the same battalion uh, serving together. <clears throat> On... Um, uh, my grandfather, I've got a lot of, you know, uh, you know, ancestors that have served in the military going back to the Civil War, Revolutionary War, but uh, my grandfather, uh, both grandfathers served in World War II. One was pretty much put into school, but the other one was a pilot and uh, flew many successful missions and then was shot down over Italy, got a Purple Heart for bailing out of his plane, spent the last six months coordinating 200 square miles of the Italian uh, resistance with a British commando, and uh, as he was a pilot, uh, would probably be horrified to find out that his two grandsons became paratroopers. Because <laughs> he thought it was ridiculous to, you know, the worst thing you do is jump out of a perfectly well-working a perfectly plane. Perfectly good airplane, that's right. Yeah. Why would anybody ever do that? That's how pilots think. So uh, it's kind of ironic that a couple of his, uh, uh, his couple of his grandkids decided to become paratroopers. And so myself, I, you know, I, I, I like the rest of America, kind of was sitting back and was very disappointed with, um, I don't know, the lack of information that was coming uh, through um, to us back here in America. I was watching the news all the time. I was reading the paper. I was trying to understand better what was going on. And eventually my two little brothers came home from Fallujah. It was Isaac's second appointment, Joe's first. And I remember flying out from Los Angeles to talk with them. And, you know, we were sitting on the porch out there, and I said, uh, you know, at one point I literally said, what the heck are you guys doing over there? Because it looks like you're ripping the place apart. 
And uh, Isaac said, sit down and I'll tell you. And he talked about you know, rebuilding 12 health clinics, 20 schools, two factories, which started to employ 5,000 people. Um, we should put them to work in America now. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, just, you know, the things that he did help them set up their city council, train 350 security forces. Wow. Um, and I, I just kind of was blown away. I was like, why didn't I hear about any of this stuff? And he said, I don't know. It was on, you know, I had a reporter with me once in a while, and I'd show him uh, what we were doing, and he'd be there when a school opened up, but then a bus would blow up across town. They'd get across town. They'd shoot the burning bus. And they put together a pretty good story, but by the time it got to New York and then out to the rest of the world, all you saw was the shot of the burning bus and how many guys died in Iraq that day. Um, and, and I could see in his eyes when he was telling me this a, a certain level of uh, disappointment and pain. And it wasn't just because he was feeling bad. I think he was, as a commander of, of other military men and women, I think he was feeling their pain and seeing how bad this was going to be for all of them to have you know, to have none of the things that they were doing that was making the, none of the positive work they were doing, none of the things they were doing to move move the ball forward, come back to America, and uh, I think that was the seed that planted the desire in me to to head overseas and join him on his third deployment uh, and get going on making brothers at war. Well, we're so glad that you did take that leap of faith because um, I I've seen the movie. I met you last week and I got a copy of the movie and I sat in your um, for those of you who weren't at the Millblog conference, Jake was kind enough to do an hour session and um, previewed the movie and did asked, answered a lot of questions about like favorite scenes and kind of broke down the film and um, really gave an insight into the background of the making of the film. And I hope we could touch on that a little bit tonight. Uh, I wanted to um, also let people know as we're doing the interview, uh, your, the web address is Brothers at War movie.com we normally don't do a lot of calls during our show but I'll go ahead and put that phone number out and hopefully we'll get a call or two um, with a question or a comment about the movie our guest call in line everybody if you want to jot this down it is 646-652-4629 or if you're shy you can just leave us a question in the chat room and we just say that if you call in that you just give us your first name and your area code in the chat room. And that just helps us screen our calls because we don't have a producer that does that here. Not yet, anyway. Okay, so uh, you kind of already answered the question I was going to ask you, was why was it important to make this film? You wanted to get their story out. How long did the film take to make? Um. You know, the, the, well, it's a, no, it's that's a great question. That it, it took a while. Um, you know, I came up with the idea of, you know, I, that conversation took part in early part of 2004. Uh, August 2004 is when I really sat down and, and wrote a treatment up for what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I sent it off to the Army Public Affairs out here in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, they liked the idea, um, but they gave me a pretty tall list of uh, things I needed to accomplish before they would allow me to embed um, before I got that done, I headed over to Fort Bragg, and the beginning of the film, you actually see Isaac deploying uh, with his with his uh, fellow soldiers. Uh, he's the operations officer for a long-range surveillance company at this point, and uh, I was there as a family member and, and brought a cameraman with me. And we filmed a lot of uh, a lot of that, which makes it the beginning of the film. And then I cut together a little trailer from that and uh, got a guy by the name of uh, Norman Powell. 
on board as my producing partner. And uh, funny story, I mean, Norman's actually the son of Dick Powell and Joan Blundell and uh, done tons and tons of producing out here, and he just kind of fell in love with the project. And because of his extensive work, um, he did stuff like 24, The Unit, Gunsmoke, uh, he very wow. much qualified. Yeah, he, he's great. I mean, he very much qualified under the military's qualification to either have a, a producer or distributor in place. And then, but then I needed to get the money in place to make the film, and there just were not a lot of uh, television networks in Los Angeles that were interested in sending a first-time filmmaker into a war zone. I don't know if it's something about liability or or, <laughs> or what that was. So this was your first film then. Yes, my first film as a director and a producer. I've you know I've been okay. in stuff as an actor before, but never as never. This is my first film as a director and first film as a producer. Okay. And um, yeah, so I. Um, I, uh, you know, I I, 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 started to approach people in Hollywood, and it just, it just wasn't going anywhere. And so I went the only place I could think of. I went back to my hometown of Decatur, Illinois, and I approached family and friends and small business owners, and a number of them voted with their pocketbook to make the film a reality. So that that happened in 2005, in the summer of 2005, early 2005, raised a, a lot of money. Um, and you know, so the film really much it is really much from the heartland, and um, and then it's a couple friends from Los Angeles, and uh, and then we put together a team very quickly, and uh, had to do pre-production very quickly, and then headed over to Iraq in 2005, August 2005, joined Isaac over there towards the end of his third deployment, um, embedded with his unit, then went out to the Syrian border with some of his recon soldiers, uh, and then actually he headed home for further training because he got. Uh, picked to be the company commander for the fourth deployment, which was coming down the p- pipe a couple years later. So I sent a cameraman home with him, and then one stayed with me. I went up to Kurdistan and whatnot. And uh, that's the scene in the film when Isaac comes home, and uh, uh, Connor, the cameraman, was actually with him. The Isaac comes home, and he predicts in an interview that his daughter will not recognize him right. and may be afraid to go to him. And you watch in the film, it happens in real time, that his worst fear comes true. And you're there when Jenny comes in with the baby, uh, who you met at the beginning of the film when he was leaving, and uh, she doesn't know who he is and uh, won't go to him. And you can kind of see the pain in his face when he's you know, living through that. It's a very powerful scene, and I, I, I guess it's a good point in the discussion to talk about, you know, this movie isn't about a pro or a con war movie. It's not a movie about, just to give you all a bit, little bit more background, it's not, in my perspective, it's not about, um, it's not your traditional, like, documenting a war movie. It's more about, it's about the relationships of you and your brothers and their families. And that piece that you're speaking of specifically, when he goes home, when Isaac goes home, and, um, you know, the baby's in the car, and, kind of looking very sternly, like, <laughs> with this person driving the car with the sunglasses on. Oh, it's just, it's very, um, you know, if, if, you've, if, you, if you have kids and you've had um, that homecoming at the airport or on the pier, you're just kind of, like, so excited in the moment, but then that, you know, in the gut of your stomach going, gosh, you know, everyone paints homecoming as this rosy, amazing picture, but there's that other side of what if our kids, you know, I mean, I know every a two or three year old, everybody in a uniform is hi daddy. You know, they don't recognize even 
that each person is different in the uniform. So um, I really appreciated that we had that opportunity to see, and I think that um, Isaac is uh, shows such a sensitive side. I think he says so many things that we wonder, um, like that that so many guys may think to say, but they don't say. Mm. Um, and I think hearing that from him is, is for me. I think a lot of spouses will look at that and go, "Wow, you know." Sometimes our guys can be really strong and quiet and not say so much. And that, to me, what it said, you know, I bet how many more uh, Isaacs are are out there that feel the same way that but just don't share it. And I think um, for spouses to know that, just like you're worried that your baby might not recognize him, he's also worried that the baby may not recognize him. He might not say it, but it's there. Now, yeah, one of the amazing things about the film uh, for me uh, as an artist and a filmmaker working on it was, you know, there's a couple things that allowed me to, to maybe go a little deeper, uh, gave me a little bit more of an inside track, so to speak. You know, he's my brother, so I know him. I, I lived in the same room with him for 16 years. So I think that maybe I felt a little more at liberty, A, to ask questions that were more personal in nature and dig deeper, and I think also just my uh, BS detector is better uh, with him. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, and I'm his bro- older brother. And, uh, you know, I, most people don't think that looking at it. He looks older than me. You know, he'd say it's, it's not the age, it's the mileage. Um, I mean, I like to say I'm aging better. But, um, you know, you know, we, I am his older brother. And, and, and so, I don't know. I'm, I, and I just knew the importance of really asking tough questions and, and really having real conversations. You know, I didn't think people were going to want to see a film where we just kind of skimmed on the surface of things. I, I felt that, you know, we really needed to get to it. And, um, you know, by the same token, I think there was such a level of trust uh, with me being his brother, and that really kind of carried over to the rest uh, of the men and women in the film. Uh, and then the other thing was, a lot of these conversations that became very personal I wasn't asking him questions as a brother who never went over there. I was asking questions as someone who had gone out on a mission with his guys. And then later on, when I went back to Iraq the second time, you've seen the film because my youngest brother, you know, the, 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 you know, the one has got to be tough, uh, you know, I thought I didn't see enough on the first one, so I go back a second time and uh, in bed with three more units, and I end up getting in combat myself and getting shot at and IED'd and the whole nine yards. And, you know, so when I was asking questions, and when I was in the film, when you're meeting these people, when you're getting this portrait of the American warrior, you know, the person who's bringing that to you, you know, I was there with them. You know, I thought it, was, it would be interesting to make a film where, you know, what does a sniper feel like about his job while he's actually in the hindsight doing it? You know, what does it feel like to talk about your daughter and her not recognizing you potentially or, or to tell me that um, 24 hours before you're going to see her back in America? And I felt like the rawness and the freshness of that, maybe interesting, might be um, give us a different insight. Because so often when you watch documentaries, it's told through the prism of memory. And it's told through a story and filters. And I wanted to kind of get past all that and be there in, in the moment uh, with them while they were living it. And uh, I, I, I like to think that you know we accomplished a lot of that with Brothers at War. And I think that's, that's maybe why uh, people are identifying with it and why, you know, we capture Isaac in a vulnerable moment, or he opens up, you know, to his brother, and through the experience of the film, other people get an opportunity to see that, 
And I agree with you. I, I think most guys are probably like Isaac and like Joe and a lot of other people in the film. And, you know, these guys are trained to suck it up and move out and not talk about their feelings, but to accomplish the mission. And I think sometimes that carries over to the personal life and, and maybe that makes it difficult on their spouses and their families. Well, I, yeah, I think it does. And I think, you know, seeing a scene like that kind of opens the door to conversation and gives an example of, well, he's talking about it, maybe I can too. Um, or vice versa with the with the spouse actually. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your um, your second in bed um, when you go out and I call your combat cameraman. You know where the scene where you're actually seeing rounds come across in between you, the camera, and um, the, I guess they're snipers, right? I mean I'm not sure. I can't. I'm kind of going from memory now. Um, where those tracers are coming through over that little hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to know, were you I, – I, I guess my thought with um, combat, sometimes we think that it's like all the time, um, like that moment. And it seemed to me this film did a very good job of showing sort of the everyday um, – because they're joking around at some points talking about watching um, – it's the Gilmore Girl. I can't remember what movie it was now. Um, the season – TV series that they were watching. Which TV series was it? Was uh, oh, the OC. The OC. The OC. That's right. how could I forget? The OC. And then you have this scene where you know you're in heavy, intense, taking on um, enemy fire. What was that like to be that co- combat cameraman? I mean, that's what you went there to do. I mean, you're in it at that moment. Or, I mean, what was that like? It was intense. Uh, you know, I was fortunate in the way that it happened towards the end. You know, I'd been there about three months by the time I got caught in that particular firefight. And um, um, so my skills at just working with a camera were pretty sharp. Um, you never really know how you're going to react in that situation. I think, uh, I think all men, maybe some women, you know, have that question, you know, what would happen if, I got caught in combat and the bullets start flying and what would I do? And, you know, it's very interesting once you're in it because the way I try to describe it is it's almost like your veins open up and you have almost like five channels of information. You know, usually you're maybe tracking on one emotion or two at, at the same time. All of a sudden you have like five things going on in your mind at the same time and they're all on parallel circuits and you're just like, it's like overload almost and everything kind of slows down. And, uh, you know, one part of you is it's an incredible adrenaline release, so it's very exciting for that. Another part of you is thinking about what you're supposed to be doing. Another part of you is like, oh, I'm not going to use the bad words, but you can hear him in the film because I was mic'd because I've been doing an interview before that firefight started. But you can hear what what comes out of my mouth as I'm, like, watching this ID go off on the, you know, just down the road for me and then watching all the Iraqi army scrambling off the side of the road. You know, and then I run and, and start swinging the camera back and forth to capture everything and uh you know uh, i was being shot at myself you can see the rounds come across the lens of the camera we actually you know broke that down in a dvd extra for people to see and um you know it's just really intense and you have no idea what's going to happen next it's really loud and 
the other thing about it is what's interesting, you know, you watch combat in a film, and it's almost like it's choreographed, right? You know, it's like, okay, and then throw the grenade, and it's this, that, and the next thing. The reality of it is you've, it's complete chaos. You have no idea what's going to happen next. Um, and there are things happening that totally make sense. People are doing the right thing. And then there's other things happening where you're like, what is he doing? You know, like, why is the guy in the middle of the road changing his... <laughs> ammunition and standing there Rambo style. I mean, I just saw some crazy stuff. And then, you know, okay, we think it's over. You know, you're running down the road. You're not really sure. And then all of a sudden, you get the guys who are hurt. And then it goes from being the most exciting adrenaline-filled thing to, honestly, one of the saddest things I've ever seen is seeing a couple of the Iraqi soldiers that we were out with, um, you know, hurt. And, and you know, you see that in the film. And um, it's it's like seeing true evil uh, it's the best way I can describe it. You know, you you really haven't experienced anything like that, maybe, uh, and then it just hits you, and you're like, wow. It 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 feels like feeling like you you know you're you're witnessing true evil on the earth, on the face of the earth, and you're like, wow, it's 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 horrible, and it's very sad, and um, I think it's something you never really forget. And then you see the guys, you know, some guys are kind of shot in shock from that. Other ones are working actively on the guys. In this case, a couple of Marines were working. Uh, uh, a medic, actually an Army National Guard medic was working, and then I looked over and amongst all this chaos, I saw uh, Gunnar Kensington uh, on one knee, uh, and he was caressing with the back of his hand the face of a wounded Iraqi soldier. I remember that scene. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, for me, that was grace on earth. I mean, for me, that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, and uh, that amongst all this kind of chaos and suffering and, and, and combat, there's this guy just being extremely human to another person in this moment of need and you know I, I pushed the camera in and, and shot that and uh, it was amazing and then you know walking back with all of them after that and then uh, you know standing there when Gunnar Kensington didn't have to turn to all these Iraqi soldiers and talk with them you know and the things he said and that's another scene in the film uh, and this connection you know between all of them and then they all went out the next day and did another patrol and a couple of days later, and this is another DVD extra, is a couple of days later, you know, they were out with um, uh, Staff Sergeant Allier, and they were able to capture a couple of the people who most likely were shooting at them the day before, two days before. So I need Syrian passports. So they had come in from, you know, Syria to get their jihad on in the middle of the Sunni Triangle. And, um, you know, it's very interesting to be out with the Iraqi army, you know, 2005, 2006, uh, before the surge, and with the Marine advisors and see them, you know, a lot of these were Shia soldiers interacting with Sunni citizens. It was very, very interesting. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the military? It's actually been really good. Uh, it's been kind of amazing. You know, the military as a, as a, as you know, the, 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 a lot of service members, people can be a little standoffish at first. They can be a little distrusting. Right. Um, and then once you, once you've proven yourself to them, all of a sudden, and you're very close, I think that's kind of a, obviously a huge generalization, but I think there's some truth to that. Both, I found that both when I was overseas with them, but I also find it with the film. So uh, the film's been very, very well received. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of standing ovations across the country. Uh, Gary Sneese, uh came on board as an executive producer after seeing the film. Uh, he fell in love with it that. and wanted to do what he could. He saw it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, wanted to do what he we wanted to do what he could to support it. Uh, another guy who became an executive producer, David Scantling, 
you know, was was given an award by the Department of Defense for his work overseas, and he saw it and became instrumental. And the reason why he fell in love with the film was he he was sitting there with his wife, watching it, uh, having you know, he's seven kids, and uh, and he's married, and he he was spending all his time going over to Iraq, trying to rehabilitate business in Iraq, and he was watching it, like the first screening of, of just the first half of it in a rough cut form, and he was watching it with his, his wife and going, yep, 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 that's yep, that's exactly what it's like. And then she turned to him uh, after the screening was over and said, okay, I finally understand why you keep make, you know keep going over and what, why we are, as a family are making these sacrifices. She's like, I finally understand why it's so important to you. And, um, you know, both these guys became wow. instrumental in, in the film getting to movie theaters, and it opened last year in movie theaters, and you know, only a handful of documentaries ever make it to movie theaters, and we were very lucky. You know, we opened in some military cities, and it got very well, it was very well received, eventually played in 60 cities, um, and uh, got a lot of standing ovations, and then it was released on DVD January 12th, alongside uh, The Hurt Locker, and I think the distributor just told me, I don't know, something like 65,000 units or something like that, which is uh, think, wow! Yeah, which is four or five times what Taxi the Dark Side did. It's uh, almost ten times. You know, it's almost ten times what No End in Sight did. So it's the number one best-selling war documentary now, released in the last four years, and it's only been on DVD for three months. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Yeah, and a lot of wow. it's the mil- you that's... know, it's so yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I think a lot of that's. You know, now that it's available, I think a lot of the, you know, the military is a pretty tightly knit community, and I think people are talking and telling one another, hey, this is it. This is a good film. Check it out. And, and well, it is, and I um, I have to say the family piece to it is just so real. It's an opportunity, like you mentioned before, to actually get an insight into what it's like over there, what an average day could be like, um, just the emotions experienced by you know, shared by your brothers, you know, voicing those. Um, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, um, uh, I want to say that I think that I so appreciate that when you did do the filming on the home front, when you talked to both their spouses, I really appreciated that they weren't all dolled up, <laughs> like like ready for, you know, the camera. Yeah. That's so. I know that sounds like a really silly thing, but it just i i connected so much quicker i don't know why i mean maybe i'm too i don't know what but i i um i appreciate so much their candor i would love to be able to talk to them and interview them how are they doing you know one of the questions that we had in the chat room i'm not really good at monitoring the chat room tonight i'm sorry favorite listeners there's um, no way i could multitask either so <laughs> you know i mean i'm i'm amazed that you're even able to look down there and figure that out um, so well, I can only um, do one okay, thing at a time. This is from uh, Tom, and um, he writes, one of the most compelling aspects of Jake's film was the inside look we're giving to Joe and Isaac's families on the home front, and I agree. His question is, how is everyone doing now, and is more time apart for deployments on the horizon? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> you know, and that was something to his point. Like, I, I learned a lot. Also, I learned a lot about the spouses in making the film that I had no idea. You know, I had no idea when I sat down to talk to uh, Jenny, when I sat down to talk to Danelle. You know, I actually sat down with Danelle uh, originally because Jenny was stalling and trying to avoid being interviewed. You know, so she jumped in the shower and uh, 
I was, was testing my persistence level, which, you know, was a mistake. She soon learned. Um, oh, I'd missed the flight and whatever, you know, to make sure we, we interviewed her. So, but I said, I said, hey, Danelle, you got to, you know, so Danelle sat down and we started to, talk, I just started to talk to her. And what was amazing was, you know, once again, I've known Danelle since she was 14. You know, her and Joe were high school sweethearts. I mean, she's almost literally like a little sister to me. I mean, right. uh, you know, so, and she had a lot to get off her chest. And so she just started telling. It was like finally somebody's asking her some of these questions, and so she's just telling me like like an older brother. This is what's going on. This is what I feel. This is how I feel right now. This is what my experience is like. And it was so revealing. I was blo- I was the first one to be blown away, uh, talking to her, and then talking to Jenny, and then talking to my mom. I was just like, you know, and Jenny's insights were amazing. Um, yeah. I-, I just didn't have an idea. I didn't really know. I mean, I knew, you know, you can know, but it's a difference between like having sort of a superficial, okay, I kind of got it kind of thing versus talking to someone and having them open up and starting to get that emotional understanding of what, what they're going through. And, you know, it really kind of blew me away. Um, and then to answer the question, you, know, you know, we did put some DVD extras of both because I've got that question so many times in doing screenings, so I tried to answer it with the DVD extra for both Isaac and Jenny and... Um, Danelle and Joe. Uh, Isaac went off and did a fourth deployment as the company commander. It was 15 months. Uh, Jenny says 15 months is too long. I think many it women probably agree with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's in the film, and you see Isaac talk. He talks very candidly about what it's like um, to go and be a company commander, but also and how exciting that is, but also how crushing it is to leave his daughter after having reconnected with her. And uh, so that's in there. And then Joe and Danelle, um, I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to say what happens to Joe okay. and Danelle. But I, but I, I, so Joe and Danelle, it's in the DVD extra in Brothers at War. You can get it at the website. And they, you'll see what happens with them. Uh, very revealing. And I will just say that Joe right now is, uh, you know, he goes off on a, a third deployment. You'll learn a lot more about that. He's currently doing training. Uh, down at uh, you know in Columbus, Georgia, uh, and then Isaac. I will give a little bit more of an update on Isaac and Jenny. Uh, uh, in May, are expecting their second child. Oh, wonderful! And it's going to be a boy. Oh my gosh! How exciting! Wow! Yeah. And so Isaac and Jared, Isaac congratulations. And, yeah, it's oh, cool. I'm awesome. So Isaac and, Jen, Isaac and Joe are both in training now. They're passing on the knowledge they gained in the war front to people who are getting ready to go to Afghanistan. Um, but on the personal side of things, uh, you know, Isaac got promoted a major below the zone. Joe got promoted to staff sergeant. Wow. Um, Isaac is, uh, I, think, I just think this is interesting since the film kind of dwells into the family side of things. Uh, one of the things he did, you know, uh, working in a training capacity is gave him a little bit more time to spend with his family. Um, that's why both of them took training um, training positions. So one of the things Isaac did was he um, uh, eventually became assistant soccer coach for Je- for uh, Hunter's soccer team. And uh, apparently Hunter, after her first game or second game, said, Dad, I want to quit. You know, and uh, So Isaac took that moment to explain to her, you're a Rademacher, you can't. <laughs> So he he started to uh, give her some lessons. Isaac uh, walked on to the soccer team at West Point, um, and Jenny actually was on the, oh, wow. uh, the equestrian team at West Point. They met at West Point. She used to be an officer in the military for about five years before getting out to raise Hunter. And um, uh, so 
he he started giving her some training in soccer, and uh, now they uh, um, he became a coach for the team and uh, taught her the basics. Um, would practice with her outside of practice. So Hunter started to get good at it, and now she's scoring goals for the team, and now she she loves uh, soccer and is very excited about it. So that's they're, wonderful. Yeah, they were spending a lot of time together, which is nice. That's so great. Yeah, you know, um, fifteen months is a long time. I have to say, I keep. And we talk a lot about, on our show, perspective. Um, you know, deployments come in all shapes and sizes, all kinds of lengths. And uh, for me, when my first experience with deployments, they were an extremely long, and I hope nobody throws a virtual, you know, sock at me or, you know, or um, anything worse than that, but... 12 weeks. I mean, ours were average 12 weeks. And I, week eight, and I would be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through another two, three weeks, right? And then, uh, and then we did a six, eight month deployment. And I uh, quickly learned that I had not, better not complain about about eight and 12 month deployments. And then I went to um, one of my good friends, Tara. She does a a show for Army Wives. And her husband was deployed, I think, for 15 months. And she had a baby while he was gone. Mm. And I went to one of her events, and um, it, I, we got into the topic of length of deployments. And she was sharing all this with me. And, oh, my gosh, the perspective just came rushing through. And I learned a really good lesson. And I think that um, we can't – it's not good to compare, I always like to say, but to show compassion and to to realize that how no matter how tough your situation is, um, there's always uh, you don't have to look very far before you can find somebody that's um, has has a little bit longer, tougher, um, more difficult. That doesn't make it any worse or better. It just makes you appreciate where you're at in your own personal walk. I think it did me, anyways. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I actually uh, want to go and do stuff. Sometimes I try to go and visit wounded guys just because you know, I feel like they're the ones who need. To thank you more than others, and uh, and just to keep you grounded, you know, to remember what's important in life, and and I think that is something that you know, going through the experience, going overseas, and and hopefully, I hope the spouse is fine. I know it's got to be just ridiculously difficult to go through this um, these separations, but uh, I think at least for the hopefully for the guys overseas and the women overseas that come home, you know, I think it it does give you an even better appreciation for. Um, what you have back here, and uh, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that does come through, and, and at least right. over time, you know, in the relationship. The other thing I wanted to mention to you too, one of the pieces in the film which I really related to was uh, the point where um, I believe it was Isaac was talking about going to Walmart and just being extremely irritated when he got home mm-hmm. because people were just, you know, going about their everyday business with no clue in the world and just aggravated because they couldn't find this or that. And um, when when uh, my husband came home, we had gone to Walmart, and I didn't think anything of it. I, we just went, and we had to leave because he was just, like, overwhelmed by the people, the amount of stuff, and, you know, just the commotion, everything. And um, when I saw that in the film, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the same exact thing we went through. Um, and I think sharing those kinds of things helps us all better relate and better understand that we're not, we're not alone. I mean, other people are going through it as well. Wow. Yeah. No, I agree with you, and I think there's, <laughs> uh, 
it's great to—I mean, great to hear that that he went through that as well. But I think that's such a common experience. Um, I, I remember when I came home the second time. I was the first time was really weird. You know, I went to Pizza Hut with Joe and Danelle. It was just like really weird. The second time was um, even tougher uh, because some of the—I guess because some of the experience I had and the people asking appropriate questions and yeah. So it was you know uh, you know as he says in there it's it's. It's just tough, I guess, to come home and, and be in Walmart and be surrounded by people complaining about cell phone bills and and uh, and all that. And and I just think Isaac's a great one to deliver that message. You know, he looks like Captain America. He's been deployed to Iraq, you know, three times. When we meet him in the film, he's done four times now. And um, you know, he was pretty good, I think, as a company commander. One thing I noticed, he sent an email out to all the spouses and stuff. Uh, giving him kind of heads up, you know, based on his experience. This is what you can expect. This is what your spouse is going to be going through when he comes home. Um, And That's a great example for every company commander to do. Every CEO, every... Absolutely. Well, and he'd been through it. I mean, he'd been literally through it three times by the time time. he became the company commander. Like, he he had lived it himself, and... um, I know lots of people don't think that, though, Jake, so I'm saying... Just because you've lived it doesn't mean you have the, the, you know, care factor to actually pass that along. And I think that's great. I think it's a great example for other leaders that may listen to this, that taking that extra time to send an email to the families to say, hey, this is what you can expect, a personal note, I think will go a long way. No, well, I, I agree with you. I think you're right, and I think the military is starting to look a little bit more closely at um, supporting the families and, 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 and on that reintegration issue and on doing things. I mean, for myself, it, it, you know, what helped me more than anything else was Isaac gave me a call. I'd been home about three or four days, and and uh, I, I don't know if I'd sent an email out or I talked to him or emailed him or something, but he was just like, um, yeah, so you're experiencing this, this, and this? I said, yep. Yeah, okay, so here, one, two, three, four, five, here's some things that you need to look out for the next couple of days. You'll probably feel like this, you'll feel like that. You know, similar to what your husband, going in public places, very busy, very commotion, it's going to be difficult on you. Uh, your uh, situational awareness is so high, you know, when you're in a war zone, it's one of the things that keeps you alive, is you're just paying attention, you're very mindful of everything, and, uh, you know, you don't need all that. Uh, when you come back to the United States, but on top of that, you know, we are just bombarded by things <laughs> uh, in the United States. You know, you walk into a, you know, into a store, it's almost like Las Vegas, you know, with the flashing lights and the sounds and the people and, you know, all the commotion and people running around. Um, like sensory overload. Yeah, it's sensory overload, and um, and that kind of chaotic uh, energy is not necessarily comfortable when when you experienced it in the war zone, it wasn't a good thing uh, when there was that much chaos and commotion. Um, yeah, so I mean that's you know that's another thing I think that's a value in the film is uh, I, one thing we've seen over and over is is, is when couples see the film, um, it's as if a piece of their story is in the film. Uh, I learned about my brothers in arms through. I mean, I learned about my brothers through their brothers in arms. So it's kind of an amazing portrait of the American warrior that comes to us and also a really interesting, you know, I think through their microcosm of one family, we tell the story of maybe all military families. And what's what's been cool is I think sometimes films make tough subjects easy to talk about. 
And so we see these people afterwards having these conversations, and all of a sudden, I think a lot of times women especially want to know more, want to know more, and the guys don't want to talk about it. And all of a sudden, they understand a lot more. And then there's a frame of reference for the warfighter to try and explain to his or her spouse what it's really like. And, you know, we see this kind of dialogue opening up. So that, that honestly, has been one of the most exciting things as an artist is to, you know, you want to create something that entertains people that, you know, um, maybe educates them on something. But to create something that actually helps people uh, in their life is uh, is really awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to tell our listeners, too, we're about out of time. I got one last question, and then um, we're going to share with you all a, a special offer if you want to get the DVD to send in the care package or send to um, as a birthday gift. Father Day, Father's Day is coming up really quickly. It would be a perfect Father's Day gift. Um, so how has the movie changed your relationship with your brothers? Do you feel like you have now this shared experience that kind of gives you some street cred, so to speak? Um, how has it changed your relationship, or how has it, or has it, or has it not changed your relationship? Oh yeah, it's changed it a lot. Uh, when I started the film, and that might have been, you know, I, I mentioned the, you know, the wanting to know and kind of the intellectual side of it. Uh, you know, I wanted to go to West Point as a young man. I couldn't go because of bad eyesight, really bad eyes, so I didn't get a chance to do that. Isaac went instead. Um, but, you know, fast forward to them going and serving overseas in Fallujah, there, there was a connection they had, um, a closeness, and there was this separation. Uh, I couldn't really understand. I couldn't really be as connected with them or as much their brother as I'd been in the past. And I think that was very hurtful. And I grew up in a very close family, you know, seven kids, you know, big Catholic family from the Midwest. So all of a sudden there was this kind of distance between us, and it was very awkward. And um, I think in some ways I made the film to try and tr- cross that chasm. And, uh, you know, for Isaac, it, 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 I believe it really kind of blew up whatever roadblocks there were when I showed up in Iraq with two cameramen and a bunch of gear. And he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, a little bit bigger deal than you thought, huh? You know, but I there I made it. I said I was going to do it, and I and I remember him, you know, saying I remember him saying because I, I filmed him on his two weeks of leave, and I said I remember him saying, you know, seeing him, seeing Iraq, and he's like, yeah, hope so, you know, and I, I knew he didn't think I'd ever make it, and I was like, I swear to God, I'm going to do whatever I can to make it, and I made it. Um, for Joe, that wasn't the uh, that didn't really break down the barrier. I mean, in fact, it actually put the wall higher. Because he felt like I hadn't experienced enough. Uh, I felt like I thought I was an expert on everything, you know, having been over there for, you know, six weeks, three and a half weeks in the field and and doing missions. I thought I knew everything. You know, that's what he felt. And, uh, you know, there's some truth to that probably. Um, And so I I went back. You know, I took him up up on his challenge and I went back to Iraq a second time and and went to the Sunni Triangle and, and went between Ramadi and Fallujah and was out with, you know, the National Guard Infantry uh, Company, a couple of companies that were stationed there. I went on tons of missions with them. You know, every, I would go out six days a week uh, for about five or six weeks. The cameraman would go out on a lot of the missions. You know, we'd split up, do different missions, and um, sometimes go back-to-back missions, you know, be out with the sniper team for a mission, then come back two hours later being a Humvee heading out with the Iraqi Army. And, um, you know that really, I really took advantage of that. It really, it really opened my eyes, and it really changed me as a person. And uh, and and through that experience, uh, I feel like I I started to understand Joe better, 
and um, and because of that, I think you know that wall came down a bit. And you know, the moment that the wall really totally fell, though, was because the film does capture so much of Joe and Danelle's personal life. The moment when that wall really totally came down, I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, Gary Sinise and Norman and Dave and myself, we flew out to uh, Columbus, Georgia, did something that, you know, I've never seen done before in a film. We didn't open in New York and L.A. like most films do. We opened the film in Columbus, Georgia, and in some other military towns, and we actually went there and did the opening night there. And uh, Joe and Donnell were there because that's where he was stationed. And uh, I think it wasn't until, you know, sold out a couple theaters and the film got a standing ovation and I don't think it was until that moment when he looked out at his peers, uh, some fellow snipers, infantry, their spouses, their girlfriends, and saw the recognition of his life and his experience and Danelle's life and her experience in, in, in their own life and the reaction they had to the film, that he totally got it and was kind of at peace with it. And I think he and I uh, now are very, very close uh, as I am with all my brothers, we're all, I think we're all very close now, and uh, it's kind of exciting. You know, the film brought us as a family much closer together. Um, it kind of reconnected us, and it's cool because I think I see that happen in a lot of other families now, which is really nice to see. That is amazing. Um, amazing the way that uh, sharing your story and and uh, that shared common experience can really make a difference. And um, just meet people on such an intimate level, I think. Uh, I think it's shocking how you don't realize how something's going to touch you, and then it just does. Mm. Um, I, I do have to ask. We're about out of time. i got two quick things to ask. Um, one of my favorite parts in the movie is, and hopefully I'm leading into it right, is um, when you ask the question, I believe it's, you know, why, why sacrifice so much? Why be willing to put your life on the line? And I think um, I first saw the clip when I was sitting in the um, the audience when you did the director's uh, hour with uh, with the Milblogi conference. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, you were going through each clip. You know, different people ask questions. And do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, that's actually a, that's a DVD extra uh, that was uh, filmed uh, the night before Isaac left on his fourth deployment to Iraq, and and you see in the film, you know, what his relationship to his daughter means to him, uh, and the pain that he kind of suffered, you know, coming back, and then um, and then he's talking about how they've gotten close again, and now he's got to leave, and and I you can just feel it. I mean, I was interviewing him, I'm just like, oh, and he's just being really honest with me and open and. You know, at this point, he'd seen, I think, a lot of the film or seen the film, so he really trusted the process. So he just really let his guard down. He was just like telling me as his brother, this is what I'm going through. And I just begged the question, you know, why do you do it? Because it's just, I mean, I, I so painful even to hear him talk about it, you know. And, uh, and he sits there and he says, you know, I know all the routine answers, and I've asked myself that a lot, and I really don't. You know, it'd be nice to get a nine to five and just hang out with her. And I don't fault anybody for doing that. But he's like, you know, it wouldn't be me. And you know, and more than that, he just said, it, you know, the one question that he kept, he comes back to is, what if I didn't? 
And I was just, it just hit me. I was like, wow, what if he didn't? What if, what if all of a sudden the people that serve in our military, especially the ones that volunteer to go back on multiple deployments and go to the tip of the spear, what if they said, yeah, I'm not into it anymore. I'm done. What if they all did that? I mean, where would we be? What would happen? Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's such a profound statement. Oh. It, it just stopped me in my tracks when I when I heard it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like says it all right there. Definitely. So, yeah, I encourage you guys. You've got to watch this movie. We're going to do some special things for you if you want to get the movie. You can log on to brothersatwarmovie.com and you can get the movie. And if you put in the checkout um, box a code, we're going to do My Military Life, right? That's what we do. Yep. You can um, save um, a couple bucks and that will get donated to Soldiers, Soldiers Angels for every DVD. So it's a great time. Father's Day is right around the corner. If you're looking to do a care package, Anytime within the next couple of months, uh, it's um, a great project to support if you're part of a um, IA support group. I encourage you to get it for your IA spouses. You guys can have like a viewing party and pop popcorn. It's that, it's that kind of movie that you can sit around with your girlfriends and watch it. Trust me, it's not um, it's not like the Pacific, which I haven't really seen. I've only seen the previews of it and eventually I will watch the Pacific. I just haven't watched it yet. But it's not that kind of a movie. It's really about relationships and, and giving us all an insight into this family and how we can um learn from our shared experiences. So I want to tell everybody that. Okay, so on a lighter note, and then we'll tell everybody about our contest, we always ask um to a kind of a funny question as our last question of the interview. What is the most embarrassing song on your iPod? What is the most embarrassing song on my iPod? Yes. The most embarrassing thing is I don't have an iPod. I'm still oh like my gosh. Okay. so analog. I'm like still on CDs and radio and stuff. It's like surprise me, world. Uh, God, what's the most em- so? So what's what, the most embarrassing song? I guess that you listen to or like to listen to all the time. I guess. Mm. No iPod, really? I don't have an iPod. Yeah, some no. listener can have to send me one. Uh. You know, I'm, I don't think this is embarrassing. I like European house music. I went okay. to Ireland my junior year of college. Uh, I dig it. I'm gonna admit it. I like the, you know. So I've got a, um, I've, you know, I've got a, a fiance now uh, from Europe, and, and her cousin is uh, is a is a pretty cool DJ in 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 the Czech Republic, and uh, so he, he his name is Bogdan, and he put together a um, a uh, compilation of his work. And uh, so that's what I was listening to earlier today, actually, driving around L.A. was uh, listening to some of that. It brought me back to uh, last summer and a happy time in my life. So does that count? That counts. We'll take that counts? That. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Some people don't like house. I like it. You know, I dig it. So. Yeah, well, that's no, thank you for sharing. Thank you for opening up to us on our show. We've spent about the last hour. Thanks for hanging out extra with us. It's just so interesting. Time flew by. Um, we spent, spent about the last hour with Jake Rademacher, the director of Brothers at War. And um, for the next, we're going to run it for until we air our next show, which will be next week. If you leave a comment on our Facebook page or a question, 
about the show, question or comment, we will enter your name into a drawing for a free copy, a free DVD of the movie Brothers at War. So you definitely want to go over there and leave a comment for us. We're going to do it on the Facebook page. And our Facebook address is facebook.com slash mymilitarylife. So I encourage you guys all to do that. And like I said, get the movie. And if you do, when in the checkout, you definitely want to put in My Military Life because they will be kind enough to uh, donate $2 of the purchase to um, Soldiers Angels, which we love. We love Soldiers Angels. They do such great things for our, our service members. So, um, All right, Jake. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Wendy. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Do you have any last-minute things that you want to share before I let you go? How can people find you again? You're on Facebook. Yeah, we're on Facebook. I mean, uh, brothersatwarmovie.com is a great way. You know, we've got Share Your Story on the website. Um, uh, There's all kinds of, you know, um, also there's a connection there to the Facebook page, to the Twitter page. We're pretty active on Facebook. Um, uh, You know, there's also YouTube. You can see some scenes from the film and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I look through the Facebook stuff a lot and, uh, the, you know, the Twittering. and um, So yeah, on the Twitter, is that you? Who who writes or who writes at the Twitter page? You know, sometimes it's me. Uh, sometimes uh, Sophie helps me out. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, that's partly some people have been following for a long time. Part of the reason why sometimes the shows that I'm going to be on are actually getting posted before I go on them. On the Twitter page, that's thanks to Sophie. Um, <laughs> some of the comments like, uh, I don't know, hanging out with Cindy McCain, really cool. I mean, that would probably be me. So um, <laughs> you can kind of tell who, who, who's writing it. Um, her, hers are very much, she does a great job of like getting the information out there, putting it out there, letting people know. Um, and then um, kind of makes me. Uh, get out there and make sure I make comments once in a while. I try to make mine a little bit more um, casual, so people kind of know it's, or, or I kind of let it make it make it known, so it's kind of a personal thing, so people can kind of tell, oh, that's Jake saying that. So okay, well, cool. Well, we will look for you over there. I do have to share a couple of quick comments from the chat room, just so you know. Um, thanks, Jake, to his family for all their contributions to the military and our nation. What an incredible project and an amazing American story. That's from Tom, and Boston Maggie is of course. Um, says thanks Jake and also um, a couple other comments just that they've already been to the Facebook and tweeted the movie and they're excited to see it so oh cool comments from the chat room so um, thank you so much for spending so much time with us it was a pleasure to hang out with you and um, please share our best with your brothers and uh, Isaac and Joe and, and their spouses and we hope to have you back on the show and I hope to get to meet you in person again one day Oh, that would be awesome. Yes. Very cool. Maybe San Diego. I hope so. I hope so. We'll be there in the middle of uh, San Diego. So thank you again so much, Jake. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you again for offering to do the donation for the for anyone who wants to get the DVD um, to Soldiers Angels, the $2 that will go to Soldiers Angels. Thanks. For uh, it's, it's my pleasure. And Soldiers Angels is a great organization. They were very, very supportive of of uh, Brothers at War, and we're there, I think, at every theater we opened in, and, uh, you know, they do a lot to support the guys overseas, and and uh, so it's, you know, I, I have a little bit of say in the website, so that's why I was able to give all your listeners a, a couple bucks off discount, and then also I have a couple bucks to go to them. You know, we've raised over uh, $100,000 uh, for veteran causes uh, with Brothers at War. A big help of that has been Gary Sinise and Sidney McCain helped us raise a lot of money, and 
And then, you know, so it's great to be able to see some of the proceeds from the DVD continue to help out uh, other organizations that do a great job uh, supporting those who support us. That's just fantastic. That's awesome. Well, we want to be here to um, help get the word out. And good luck to you on your new project. Oh, thank you so much. I know you're working on um, setting uh, film setting in Prague, which is my everybody knows it's my favorite European city. So I can't wait to hear more about that. That is an amazing city. It's an amazing city. I think it's going to be a great place for a film to take place. And uh, you know, the main character is uh, you know going to be somewhat familiar, I think, to our audience. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a military, you know, infantry officer, and and it'll deal with. Uh, theme is really, you know, can you have a life on the edge doing what you love and also have a great love, or do you have to choose? So wow. I'm enjoying, I've written the first like draft it. of it, and I'm enjoying like rewriting it. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I'm enjoying it, you know, so it takes place in Iraq, Prague, and Afghanistan. So oh there you gosh. go. That should be very, pretty interesting, and a little bit in the United States as well, so, but... Well, we can't wait to see it, and so I encourage you to keep it, keep up the hard work and, and uh, pursuing that. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. So thank you so much again for coming on. And um, everyone, you can find Jake at brothersatwarmovie.com. Great. Thank you, Wendy. You're welcome. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right, everybody, we've been listening to Jake Rademacher, the director of the movie Brothers at War. You can find him again over at brothersatwarmovie.com. Just to recap real quickly, if you want to get a copy of the DVD, uh, you want to go to the website and in the checkout just put in uh, My Military Life. And when you do that, you'll save a couple bucks and a couple bucks will go to Soldiers Angels. It's a definite great cause and it's an awesome um, way to to um, support the movie, support the cause. and. I think if you've ever had anybody serve overseas or you're just curious, it's definitely a way to connect on a whole new level. And it's a great conversation starter. If, you, um, if you're not quite sure how to talk about you know, what your husband went through over there, this is a great way to just sit down and watch it and watch it together and um, you know, see what kind of conversation comes out of it. Uh, I encourage you all to get it. So uh, include it in your your care package, the next one that you're going to send out. All right, so up next I want to tell you for our next week's show what we have going on. Let me go back over here to my notes. Um, We are going to talk about Army Wives, Lifetime TV's hit TV series. We'll recap that. We didn't talk about that at all tonight, so we'll do that a little bit next week. We are um, going to be talking with Krista Wells, the military spouse. That's coming up. I will be May 7th, which is soon, I'll be in D.C. for the Military Spouse of the Year Luncheon, which is sponsored by the Military Spouse Magazine. I was honored to be part of the selection committee, so I'm going to attend that and hopefully do some sort of little a mini-interview with either Babette or we'll see who we can get uh, during that day. And, and you know me, I've only been to D.C. one other time, so it's just so totally cool to be able to be a part of that. And, um, and I will also say that if you haven't heard of it, there's a new uh, – program out there called the National Military Spouse Support Network. And Sue Hoppin, our friend Sue Hoppin, I got to meet her in D.C. also. She is the brains behind that wonderful idea. You can find her at suehoppin.com, and there will be the link to the network. And it's a great 
place where if you are an entrepreneur, a male spouse entrepreneur, or looking to strike out in your professional career, it's a place where we can all network, share ideas, support each other. Her launch event will be the 7th of May, which is the day after the luncheon. And they're going to have a career expo um, up in that area. Also, we'll post that on the website as well. So we have a lot going on in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for those kinds of um, topics. If you have not been to our website, you definitely want to check it out. It's mymilitarylife.com. There you will find all of our show archives. You'll find our group blog, which features spouses from all different kinds of branches. You will find um, a link to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, and our social network, which features, I think there's like 200-plus people there now. And you can have a, you can leave a message in the message form if you have a question, group blogs, post a picture, all kinds of great fun stuff. So it's a place for you to connect to other military spouses, bottom line, so you feel supported and not alone and encouraged to um, to do well and not just survive a deployment. We don't like to say that here. You can do well and uh, make the most out of it that you can and uh, be an encouragement to someone else while you're there. So that's MyMilitaryLife.com. And our show, just so you know, is where most Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Make us part of your routine. You can subscribe to our show via iTunes. I want to say thank you so much to our two guests, three guests tonight, Tom, who blogs over at unknownsoldiersblog.com. Definitely want to check him out and share his stories on your blog yourself. And June, thank, thank you, June Walbert from USAA, who shared with us a, some great tips on how to save money on our um, insurance of our spouses deployed and, um, and, the, and all of her great information. You can find her over at uh, military.com, ask, ask June column, or over at USAA. And then also we want to we spent about an hour with Jake, which is great, talking about his film Brothers at War. You can find him over at brothersatwarmovie.com. And like I said, for the next week or so, we'll run this contest. If you leave a comment or a question about the movie, and we'll get the questions to him, uh, we will enter your name to enter a, to win a free DVD a copy of the movie. And if you want to order the movie. Just put in the checkout stand, My Military Life, and you can save $2, and $2 will go to Soldiers Angels, which we love. All right, everybody, um, this is uh, My Military Life Radio, Navy Wife Radio. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to discuss in the show, you can email me at wendy at navywiferadio.com. Our disclaimer is we're not part of any official government agency, the Department of the Navy, the Department of Defense, the views and opinions expressed here by our co-hosts and guests do not affect, do not reflect official Navy policy. Any advice we give is strictly the views of the co-hosts and guests or our individual guests. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. Next week we hope to have Marla back. You guys were great. I know I'm not very good at multitasking, so thanks for being patient when I, when I was typing or reading. And um, we hope to see you all next week. Have a great week. Do something fun. And uh, uh, share the show with somebody that you love, and uh, we can be—we'd love to connect with them as well. Thanks, everybody, and have a great night.
I'm the only thing I do 